This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we started talking a couple of weeks ago about the word occupied. And I want to continue along that line this morning. I want to talk about occupied. You know, I want to talk about being occupied with love. That's what I want to talk about. So let's look uh, this morning at the first passage I want to see is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And it says, let love be your highest goal. There's only two commands in the Bible that God holds us responsible to follow. You know that, right? You don't have to pursue the 10 anymore. Just pursue the two. And if you'll pursue honoring these two commands, all the others will automatically be taken care of. First is love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Second one is love your neighbor as yourself. We know it says thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. But if you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill him. All right? (laughs) If you love your neighbor, you're not going to lie to him. You're not going to bear false, you know. And uh, that's all we got to do. And that makes, it puts the cookies on the lower shelf. Pretty simple. It's like, I can remember two. That 10 was hard, you know, but I can do two, you know. Love the Lord. Well, let me read this once again. Let love be your highest goal, your highest ambition, your highest purpose I'm talking about, your highest target, your, your highest aim. Let love be your highest goal. And not the accumulation of material stuff. That's not a very high goal at all. You can accumulate all kinds of stuff that ends up in the landfill, right? But he says, let love, loving God and loving others, let that be your highest goal. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 says, live a life filled with love for others. Live a life that's occupied with love. For other people, following the example of Christ, did he demonstrate how to love? He came to this earth in the first place. That was huge. We didn't have to. And he went through potty training, if you would. He went through the whole thing of growing up as a human being, and he went through the abuse and the beatings, and he went through the the, uh, terrible torture on the cross because he loved you and me, because he wanted you and me to be in heaven with him one day. Fantastic. Live a life filled with love for others. That's the highest goal. Following the example of Christ who loved you and he gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. That's the highest goal. He left heaven to come here to do that. And we are challenged in his word to be occupied with his love. You know, love him and love others. Love him and love others. And that draws a a perfect picture of a cross. Love him. Be occupied with love for him and love others. Love vertical. Love horizontal. That's what I'm talking about. In the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 32, it says, the teacher of religious law replied, because this This guy asked Jesus, well, what's the greatest command? 
And Jesus told him. He says, and the teacher of the religious law replied, well said, teacher, because Jesus answered. He said, love the Lord for your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart, with all my understanding, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor. And then he qualifies it as myself. When you're hungry, what do you do? Get some to eat. When you're not hungry, what do you do? You still eat. <laughs> Is that true? Yep. Some of you are thinking about that right now. Well, we're going to have to eat in a little bit, you know. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now think about, let me ask you a question here. How many of you have a neighbor? Put your hand. Okay, put your hands in. How many of you Know your neighbor. Raise your hand. It's about half of you. So it's hard to love them if we don't know them. You know what I'm saying? And he says, love them the way you love yourself. Now, you know what? It took us about, we've been where we're living now, what, 16 years going on. 15 years? Somewhere around 15 years. And we set out to love our neighbors. And we determined when we first moved there, we're here for the long haul. And we knocked on doors and we took fruit baskets to everybody in our neighborhood on Thanksgiving for about the first four years. And it was extremely expensive and we're not quite doing it like that anymore. But we, we made them. Susan made these awesome fruit baskets and all. And uh, it took about 12 years to lead the guy. If, if I'm in my house like this looking out at the road, my neighbor on the right, uh, Bob, it took about... 12 years before I got to know Bob and his mom and, and a couple of invested years there to lead Bob to Christ. And he used to come to church and all, and he's in heaven now, you know, with the Lord, you know. And then it took, oh, oh man, what, 13 and a half years to get to know my neighbor on the other side, Mr. Johannes. And it took about a year afterwards to lead him to Christ. And he gloriously got saved and accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. You know, it, took, it was a long haul. And he's with the Lord right now because of that. And then as time progressed, you know, uh, Bob's son uh, sold the house. It's to my right. And uh, it doesn't have anybody living in it yet. They've been remodeling it. But the, the guy who bought it and his fiance uh, are already our neighbors. You know, they're not living there, but they're already our neighbors, and we know them well. And uh, Dan came to know Christ around January, you know. And uh, yesterday morning, so yesterday morning? That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Oh, man. I went to bed on Friday night at 1.30, and I got up around 4 so I could meet Dan and his fiance up on the mountain behind my house. And I was up there, and the stars were out, you know. And then they came up about an hour and a half later as the sun was rising because they got married yesterday here. But we went through their vows, and they made their vows public, and we prayed, and I shared some principles to marriage with them. That's what they wanted to do on the mountain yesterday while y'all were sleeping. So, okay. Seriously, I would have liked to have been sleeping too. 
I did take a hammock up there and tied it between two trees, and I was laying down when they got up the mountain. But I loved them. as my neighbors. And how many of y'all know Dan and Katie? They've been coming for months here. And uh, when you see them, it's like, hey, what have they been up to? Because they're glowing. They're smiling. They're glowing. And Dan loves Jesus. He loves him. And Katie loves Jesus. And all. it's like, whoa. The Bible says love your neighbor. Do you think loving your neighbor could make a difference in your neighbor? Well, I want to challenge you to get to know your neighbor, okay? And then we broaden that to the next neighbor and the next neighbor and the next neighbor and the neighbor who's going to move in once that person is no longer there. And our neighbor, actually, it could be miles apart. It really could, you know? But love your neighbor as you love yourself. Care about your neighbor the way you care about yourself. Jesus said do that. He said ain't nothing more important than loving God and loving your neighbor. That's it. Can't improve on that. But we need to be occupied with his love because we can't do it with just human love. Let me read Mark chapter 12, verse 33 once again. And I know it is important to love him with all my heart, all my understanding, with all my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law, all the obligations, all the sacrificing of sheep and, and bulls and and goats and turtle doves and all the, the, the offerings of wheat and grain and all those kinds of offerings, you know, this religious leader stated what Jesus, you know, was stating by his actions is loving your neighbor is more important than fulfilling all those legal obligations. It's more important than it all. It really was. So Jesus was redirecting their focus which Israel had lost. They had become very religious. And he's challenging with those two commands, loving God and loving your neighbor. Loving God, you go vertical, then you go horizontal. When you go vertical and you become occupied with God's love, you know, then you can go horizontal. You understand what occupied means? I have a pocket here that's occupied. That was probably a mistake. <laughs> oh, I can't see it. I caught it. I couldn't see it. The light was blind to me. It's like, oh, wow. Awesome. I'm going to keep that one. But my pocket, you can put nothing in my pocket. It's still occupied. And I really shouldn't do this, but it's still, it's still occupied. There's hundreds of marbles in that pocket. And when you and I are occupied with the love of God, we can share it. Sometimes we're occupied with something instead of God. And there's no room for him in our life. I'm talking about here. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 says, it says, I once, listen to this, this is is very interesting. It says, I once thought these things, these religious rules and regulations and all my obligations, I I once thought these things were valuable. (laughs) You know, I obeyed the apostle. 
He said, I obeyed the laws without flaw, without flaw. I did everything. Isn't that nice? Well, do this and don't do this. Well, just give me a list, you know. Thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt. Okay, I'll do them all. Oh, oh I'm, I'm really good at it. I got all the thou shalt and thou shalt nots down. I got all my obligations. Oh, my, that, makes, that makes religion easy, right? But lifeless. Just rules and regulations. Our Savior wants a relationship. The apostle said, I once thought these things were fable. But now I consider them what? Worthless. All these rules and regulations. Worthless because of what Christ has done. I'll tell you what he's done. He's forgiven me of all my sins. Caused me to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Have a relationship with him. And the apostles said, I once saw these things, all these rules and regulations were valuable, but now, because he has a relationship, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He's forgiven me. He loved me. He forgave me. Verse 6 says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's all worthless. Rules and regulations, it's all worthless compared to knowing him in a personal way. And he goes on to say, for his sake, I have, what's that say? Discarded. You understand discarded? When y'all see the worship team, tell them to be very careful coming back up here. Shouldn't have done that, I know. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. To make more room for Jesus in me. We got to discard some stuff from our heart and from our mind. We got to discard some stuff to make more room for Jesus. I want to be occupied with Jesus and his love. And I got to make more room for him in me. And we got to discard some stuff. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I'm talking about a relationship that you can have with the Son of God that's absolutely life changing, that's amazing. It tells us in the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 3. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Now, Susan and I go outside our house every once in a while, and we take a walk. And our, we live on a mountain, for real, you know. From our back door to the back of our lot, it's about 650 foot, and it rises 450 foot in, el- in elevation, that you know, distance there. And we go and walk af- around our house there. Uh, can you imagine if Susan's going... Well, I'm going to go to the mailbox, and it, it drops, I don't know, probably 100 foot in elevation down to the mailbox, you know. I'm going, I said, I'm going up top of the mountain. Will we be walking together? We got to decide on which direction we're going to go. Or we can go, oh, how was your walk? Well, it was, it was kind of down. Well, how was your walk? Well, it was kind of up, you know. But you got, have you ever taken a walk with anybody? Somebody made the decision of where you're going to walk if you're going to walk and talk together. And the Bible says that. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? But I want to walk with Jesus. 
I want to walk with Jesus. I want to align myself with him and, and his word and his will. I want to walk with him. And he's not going to stoop to a low standard that I may have. And I, but I can align myself with him and I can walk with him and I can get to know him better. And I may have to discard some stuff in order to do that. Now, Susan and I don't take walks in different directions. We all always go together, okay? And it's better. The fellowship is wonderful. It's the same with God, you know? I don't know if you grasp this or not, but I'm telling you, you can know Jesus in a real and a personal way, and we're going to spend eternity with him. You can get to know him better and better, and you can hang out with him, and you can talk, and you can sing, and you can cry, or you can just be silent, but you can hang out with him like your absolute closest friend. You really can, you know? And it's only natural when two people spend some time together that the person with the weaker personality begins to take on the character of the stronger personality. You understand what I'm saying? You know? You, you, you just begin to take that on. It begins, you go down south and visit for a while and hang out with loved ones down there, you come back with this other accent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that kind of thing happens, you know? Let me pick back up here in Philippians 3, <clears throat> verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know him. I want to know. Not, I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And then he goes on to say, I want to suffer with him. Whatever that means. You ever pray that way? I want to suffer with you, Jesus. Most people don't. It's like, no, you do that. I'll rejoice with you, you know, afterwards. But let me explain that just a wee bit. I read this article. There's an African woman, and she gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And her husband was the chief of a Zulu tribe. And when she told him what she had done, the chief beat her brutally. And as she was lying there on the floor, bleeding, in a pool of her own blood, the man mocked her and said, Now what can your Jesus do for you? What can he do for you now? The woman picked herself up off of the floor and tearfully said, He can help me to forgive you. Have you ever forgiven someone? I want to suffer with him. Where people may not understand, but I will demonstrate his love and I'll forgive. You don't deserve me to forgive you. And I don't deserve God forgiving me either, do we? We don't deserve it. That's grace. He just loves us. Let me read it again. <clears throat> I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Talking about dying to self and denying self. You know, if, uh, there, there's a big old cross up behind this screen up here. And you know what a cross means. Anywhere in the Bible where it says, take up your cross and follow me, the word take up your cross, that means to deny yourself. It means dying to a part of you. Well, I really want to do this, but I'm going to die to what I want to do so I can love God and I can love people more, you see. That's what he's, what he's talking about here, you know. Um, 
question. I don't want you to answer this question out loud. I don't want you to answer this question out loud to me or nobody else right now. Is that okay? So I want you to answer it out loud. Now, I know somebody's going to wake up in a couple of minutes and they're going to just jump and answer it. I know that. That happens, you know. But I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to think the answer to yourself. Are you living close to God? Are you living close to God? Think about that for a moment. Answer to yourself. Are you living close to God? Second question. And you can answer this one out loud if you want to. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. Are you living as close to God as you would like? Because you can always get closer. Are you living close to God? Well, are you living as close to God as you would like to live? I would say no. I want to get closer to him. And I hang out with him. I spend time with him. But I want to get closer to him. Because that is available to us. And he loves us. He's crazy about us. Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23, it says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, although God has promised to give us wisdom. In the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, ask God and God will give it to you liberally. But the scripture says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Or don't let the powerful or or the powerful Boast in their power, although God has promised to give us strength and power. And he goes on to say, you know, he's sitting here, and don't let the rich boast in their riches. Although God promises in his word to give us riches, physical, material riches that you can help other people with, spiritual riches, all kinds of riches, being rich in relationships. So he says, This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast, if you want to boast about something, if you want to have some bragging rights about something, he gives it to you. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, unaccompanied with boasting about anything else, but you should boast in this alone that they truly know me. You want to brag about something? It's like, I know Jesus. Not I, I know about him, but I know him personally. If you want to boast and brag about something, brag about that. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who, what's that word? Demonstrates unfailing love. Demonstration means to make it obvious. You know, wow, unfailing love, you know. I'm talking about unshakable love, certain love. He said, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone that they truly know me. You can boast about that. I know God. And they understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. And he demonstrated by going to a cross. Did Jesus demonstrate love? 
by his, the beatings he took and by going to the cross. He demonstrates even to us today. You know, when you see the sunrise or the sunset or all the, the weather now, that's nothing more than God's gift to you and me today. It's a demonstration. And he's challenging us. You want to brag about something? You boast about the fact that you know God and you understand <laughs> that he demonstrates unfailing love and then we are to become occupied with his love and demonstrate love to other people. That's what he's talking about. Demonstrate it, you know. Now let me ask you a question. Do you demonstrate unfailing love to other people? Think about that. Once a year? Twice a year? Christmas, Easter? Do we demonstrate unfailing love or do we have to be encouraged sometimes? It's like, well, they're not very loving. I don't have to demonstrate love to them because they're not loving. Really? Is that what the Bible says? I don't think that's what it says at all. You know? God promises us wisdom. He promises us power. He promises us riches. And we can use those things to demonstrate his love to other people, you see. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, the people who know their God, and that's what you can brag about, that you know him. The people who know their God will be strong and carry out, they'll do this, and carry out great exploits, notable deeds, heroic acts. The people who know God, will carry out these great exploits, these notable deeds, these heroic acts. We'll we'll demonstrate his strength and we'll take action. Those people who know their God is what he's talking about here, you know. Are, Are you occupied with Jesus? You know, sometimes we want more of him, but it's like too full. I gotta I gotta discard something. To make more room. Hey, y'all be careful walking around here in a little bit, okay? I know that was a bad idea, you know. Our security safety team, follow our medical people, they're on hand, okay? I just don't know that. And they'll demonstrate their love to us if we fall on these marbles here. Now, I appreciate my wife not saying it today, although she said last night, Pastor Ron's lost his marbles. She said that in the service. Can you believe that? You know what? These are actually her marbles that we lost, you know. No, I lied. They're really mine. Okay, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, Lord. I shouldn't have said that, you know. Hmm. But, uh, there you go. You missed your cue, you know. Uh, well, Think about it again, the question, are you occupied with Jesus? Are you occupied for Jesus? I'm talking about, are you loving God or are you loving others? You know, are you occupied with his love? Because I can't do it with human love, but I can do it with the love of God that flows to me and flows out through me. Are you occupied with such love? Think about that for a moment, you know. It's a person who truly knows God that captivates and inspires people. Do you know God? 
Do you want to know him better? Think about that, you know? Only the people who know him will effectively make him known. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. The faithful love of the Lord, it never ends. It's an eternal, everlasting love. Unstoppable, unquenchable. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies, you understand mercy? Mercy is not getting what you deserve, you know. When a highway patrolman pulls you over because you're speeding, you're not saying, give me justice. <laughs> so, well, we got a cell waiting for you down at the jailhouse, you know. No. You're saying, mercy, don't give me what I deserve, you know. I was listening to this praise music, and my right foot got heavy on the pedal. <laughs> you want mercy, don't give me what I deserve. Give me a warning, you know. That's what we want, right? Anyhow, it says here in Lamentations 3.22, it says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Aren't you glad that he is always merciful? Always merciful. It goes in verse 23. It says, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin, his mercies begin afresh, which just means new, each morning. God's mercies start all over again when morning comes. It's like you've never used up all of his mercy or his grace or his love. It's unfailing. It's everlasting. Great, verse 23, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And verse 24 says, I say, you hear what this guy says? I say to myself. How many of y'all ever talked to yourself? Now, you can get away with it today. You really can, you know. As long as you have one of these things here. Let me put my microphone back. Dropped it there. I'm going to get my phone out. As long as you have. Oh, am I, am I on now? Okay, we'll start all over. Good morning. Okay. Thank you. But pick up in verse 24. It says, I say to myself, and so throughout the Bible, you see people talking to themselves, you know, and they didn't have cell phones to walk around with either. It says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my inheritance. The Lord is my inheritance. What's his is actually mine. That's the truth. The Bible teaches that we are partakers of his divine nature. We are joint heirs with Christ. The Bible says what Christ has available to him, you and I have available to us. And here in the Old Testament, it says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope. And the word hope means a confident expectation for the future. That's all about faith. 
says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. I will expect in my relationship with him about what he has promised me. I will receive it, you know. And then it says in verse 25, uh, therefore, I will hope in him. Verse 35 says, the Lord is good to those who depend on, who rely on, uh, uh, who, who, who trust in. It says, the Lord is good, verse 25, the Lord is good to those who depend on him. He's good to those who search for him. Question, are you searching for God? Well, occasionally. But in the midst of our day, we wake up in the day. How many of you have a whole crowd of things that pile on top of you before you can hardly even get out of the bed? Well, I got to do this, 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 I got to do this. But are you searching for God throughout your day? He says, the Lord is good to those who depend upon him, to those who search for him. So if, if you're making time to search for God, he says he's good to you. That's what he says. Verse 26 says, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. It is good for us to submit to that yoke of discipline. You know, the, all the athletes that you see and that you love and you admire, whether they, they're playing a sport or whether they're in the Olympics, those are men and women who have disciplined themselves and they are experts at what they do. And the Bible tells us at a very young age, verse 27, and it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline, to learn about God at a early age, how to follow him at an early age. You know, in, in the Bible, we read about those that they referred to as wise men. Wise men were occupied seeking Jesus. They left everything behind and they were following a star. You remember that in the Bible? Talks about they were following a star because they desired to worship him. And even when they went to Herod, who wanted to kill this uprising star, uh, this prophesied new king, they could, even Herod could not stop their seeking of this king that had been prophesied would come one day. Wise men were occupied with seeking Jesus, and it is wise men today who still seek him. In the crowd of things that bombard us and try to rob all of our time and attention, wise men still seek him. It says in Psalms 27, verse 24, Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. You lead me to a glorious destiny. Whom I have I in heaven but you, you know. I desire you more than anything. Can we honestly say that? I desire you more than anything. Or can anything, can anything distract us from seeking God? Think about that, you know. He goes to say in verse 26, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Verse 27 says, those who desert him will perish. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. Do you know what it's like to be near God? I mean, where you hang out with God and you, you sense his presence with you. And you know, like, you know what? You're willing to charge hell with a water pistol when you know God's with you. And nothing's going to 
you know, push you back. You know, you're not going to cave into fear and anxiety and worries and things like like that. It says in verse 28, but as for me, how good it is to be near God. It is awesome to experience his presence with you and to know all of his promises are true and you just love him and you're empowered with his love to love your neighbor as yourself and to change this whole world in which we live in, you know. Our time is just about up here, but I want to read you a story before we close. The phone rang. It's Jimmy. I'm really sick. I've got a fever. Can you help me? Now, Jimmy was dying from AIDS, and Jeff was angry. He had already put 60 hours in on his job and really didn't want to hear about Jimmy. That's Jeff I'm talking about. However, Jeff promised to go right over, complaining to God all the way about the inconvenience. As the door to the apartment opened, Jeff almost buckled over as he was blasted by the smell of vomit. After forcing his stomach to settle down from an involuntary gag, Jeff went in and found Jimmy shivering on the couch. In severe distress, Jeff wiped his sweating forehead and then got a bucket of soapy water to clean up the mess. Jeff managed a facade of concern even though he was still raging inside. Jimmy's friend, Russ, who also had AIDS, came downstairs at this time. The odor made Russ sick as well, and he threw up. As as Jeff cleaned the carpet around Russ's chair, he was about to explode inside. And then Russ said suddenly, "I I get it. I understand. I get it. I understand. What do you get, Russ? Jimmy, Jimmy asked him weakly, what is it that you get? And Russ said, I understand who Jesus is. And Russ said, through his tears, Jesus is just like Jeff. Jeff was demonstrating love, although he didn't really feel like it and didn't want to. He's just like Jesus. I mean, no, Jesus is just like Jeff. And Jeff began to weep. That night, Russ put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, asked him to come into his life as his Savior. God had used Jeff to show God's love in spite of himself. Have you ever just been occupied with self some of you, if I said, you know, you know what people are full of? And there's some things you shouldn't say in a church about what you think they're full of. <laughs> but they're full of, sometimes they're full of themselves. <laughs> Occupy with ourselves, you know. And, and the two commands is to love him with all that I am and then love my neighbor as myself. And if you was terribly sick and had no one else To help you, would you want someone to help you? You know, hmm. Think about that. 
is, is, is your, uh, is your wallet, your pocketbook, is it, is it full of some dollars or maybe is it full of maybe some little uh, Dunkin' Donuts, little credit card things that's worth like five bucks you can get a cup of coffee with it or something, you know? Do you have some of those things in your wallet or a few dollars? Your, your wallet's occupied so you can love your neighbors. You say, you come across somebody that you can be a blessing to every once in a while and you can bless them. Is, is, your, is your pockets full of Oh, there's no room for anything else. I'm just full of myself, you know, my marbles and all, and things like that. Is, is, is your heart occupied with self, or is there room in your heart to love somebody else? Well, oh, your calendar, your schedule. Is your schedule so occupied, or, or have you scheduled in, you know what, I got free time. I will make time for anybody who genuinely needs it. That'd be loving your neighbor as your self or are we like Jeff was in the beginning <sighs> you know because there's a lot of messes in life isn't there and sometimes it's in those messes where we demonstrate the love of God and people go I get it Jesus is like you and like you like you do we demonstrate his love to other people well, that's all of our time today. I could go for another 30 minutes. I really would like to go for another two hours. But I wouldn't be loving you by doing that. <laughs> or the next group who's trying to get in here at 11. You know. But I want to challenge you. Become occupied with God's love. To love him and to love our neighbor. Every time you see a cross, let it remind you to love him with all that I am. Love my neighbor as myself. Love him vertical. Love horizontal. My neighbor as myself. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for the love that you have demonstrated to us in the gift of your son. We thank you that Jesus demonstrated your love by pushing us out of the road so we didn't get hit by that car, although he got hit by it. We thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Forgive us, Father, for being full of ourselves sometimes that there, we've made no opportunity to love anybody else. Help us, oh God, today to be more like you. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me and let's reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you've never declared your faith in Jesus, whether you're in this building or watching online or down in our cafe, but would you pray with me and reaffirm your faith or maybe declare your faith for the first time? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent Jesus. And Jesus gave his life to wash my sins away. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into every area of my life. I am sorry for my sinful ways. I want to follow Jesus. I want to be occupied with your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.